Hey everyone, welcome back. I know that it's been a while, but I've just been extremely busy lately with moving and getting settled in into my new place. But videos are back, and things should be getting back to normal very soon. Before we get started on these stories, I need to give a trigger warning for sexual assault for the first story in this video. So if you don't want to hear stories like that, just skip over it. Or you can just click off the whole video. I'll have timestamps in the pinned comment in case you want to skip that story. All that being said, if you're all ready, let's go ahead and get started. And remember, to always, stay hungry. This happened back in 2004. It was late in the year in October, around the outskirts of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I was an 18-year-old girl who wasn't amounting to much, really roughing it on my own. I was living couch to couch with some of my friends until I finally got my shit together, but I didn't really stay anywhere for long. During this time, I had gotten involved with a guy who didn't exactly play by the rules. On this particular weekend, he had landed himself in jail again, and he had reached out to me to attempt to arrange some bill money for him to get released. We hadn't been dating long or even acquainted for much time, but I was really determined to be the down chick, and I listened when he told me his plan. He told me that he knew a guy who could get some product that I could hustle for the bail. The guy lived near my best friend's house in one of the shittiest areas of the suburbs. So long story short, he told the guy I would be coming, and I set out to get the job done. My friends at the time didn't want anything to do with this. Needless to say, they didn't approve of the means, method, or motive, and left me to set off on my own. The first leg of the trip wasn't rough, even though I didn't drive and I walked everywhere. It took me about two hours or so to get into the product guy's house. I handled my business and set back towards my friend's house where I had planned on staying the night. It was much later than I had realized it was going to be, and I noticed as I walked that everyone had just about settled in for the evening. Not many cars were driving, houses were dark, and I seemed to be alone on the streets. About 30 minutes into my walk, I had hit a heavily traveled main street that was from the artery from where I was to where I was going. I thought that I would be safer on this road, as it was much more populated. But I guess I was wrong. While I was coming down the sidewalk, a giant of a man stepped down from his stairs across the street from me, and then walked to an old beat-up Buick parked in front of the house. I saw him do a double take at me, walking across the street. It must have been because of how late it was that he was surprised to see anyone out walking. I noticed, but I didn't react, and I just kept coming closer. Thankfully, I was across the street. Then I got into earshot of the man who was now just standing there watching me walk, and I heard him then yell at me. Hey, do you have the time? I stopped and looked around, yelling back at him. Uh, are you talking to me? He had made a motion to come to him. At this point, I wasn't feeling threatened or even worried. I walk around late at night all the time. When I got to the car, he had asked me again if I had the time, and I politely told him that I didn't have a watch or a phone or even a purse, so no, I had no idea what time it was. He asked me where I was going, 
and why I was out so late. Of course, I wasn't going to tell him the real reason, so I told him I left a party that I didn't want to be at anymore and that I was on my way home. He told me how dangerous it was in the neighborhood and that he would give me a ride where I needed to go. I have to say, at this point, I didn't feel threatened. I attempted to politely decline the offer, but he insisted for my safety. Eventually, I reasoned that it beats the hour and a half walk I was facing and that I could have him draw me somewhere not too far away from my destination. So I accept, get in the car, and we start to drive. I'm telling him where to go, and as we're driving, he starts asking questions that are more creepy than the ones he asked on the street. Things like, What's your size? Do you need clothes? Who are your friends? Where's your boyfriend at? I had started recognizing that he was searching for information about me for some reason. I was trying to avoid answering because I realized we were pulling up to another house, still ways away from where I told him to take me. I then asked him what in the hell we were doing as he pulled into a garage under the house that we had just pulled up to. He told me he was going to get those clothes from his sister for me. He turned off the car, but instead of getting out of the car in the garage, he reached over the seat and started grabbing my chest and trying to kiss me. I pushed him away immediately, and I started telling him that I wasn't like that, and that if my friends found out that anything like this happened to me, he was going to be in serious shit. I lied, and I said they were bikers, and that the gang would definitely find him if anything happened to me. This made him stop and think for a moment, and suddenly, he turned the car back on, opened the garage, and pulled out. He drove me about five minutes down the road, and I told him he could let me out now. He stopped the car, reached over, and then shoved a $20 bill down my shirt. As soon as the car locks clicked, I ripped open the door, jumped out and ran as fast as I could in the complete opposite direction from where I was actually going. Since it's a typical small town, I can move further away, then backtrack to safety, staying hidden in alleys and side streets. I did eventually make it to my destination that night, product intact. But it wasn't until later that it hit me how close I came to being another girl who just disappeared. The story is from the perspective of two of my friends, and it all takes place in Glasgow, Scotland in October 2012. My friends who we'll call Aisha and Neelam worked as therapists in a beauty salon in the west end of the city, and one afternoon three guys came barging in, carrying plastic blue bags. They closed the store shutters, and they ordered my friends and their colleagues to the back of the salon, and then demand to know where the store owner is. They keep shouting about the owner who's also a female in the most aggressive way imaginable. This encounter goes on for about 10 minutes before the men pull out duct tape from the backs and then tie Neelam and Aisha's hands behind their backs and then put some tape across their mouths. The men walk around for a further few minutes before then walking out, smashing the till with a claw hammer on their way out. The salon workers eventually got free of their restraints and called the police. Although they were unhurt, this was the most terrifying experience of their lives. And to this day, nearly a decade later, it's still with them. Those men were never caught, and nobody ever found out what they wanted with the salon boss. 
The fact that these three guys could still be roaming the city is downright terrifying. This happened in October. When I was about 11 years old, I'd went to a Girl Scout camp over the weekend in Balboa Park. We had used tents to camp outside a grassy area. We had two chaperones and there were about six of us girls. The first night when we arrived, we had had popcorn as well as some other snacks, and then we headed off to bed. The following day was filled with activities and hiking in the woods. Once nighttime came, it was time to go to bed. My friend Mary and I had left our tents and we went to use the bathrooms that were in a building that we used for the day's activities. When we were finished, Mary had pointed to the fence and then said, Marissa, look, there's a man behind that bush and fence. I'd asked where and I said I didn't see anything. Keep in mind that I didn't have my glasses on so I couldn't see anything. Later that night, I'd had trouble sleeping because I was so terrified. I didn't tell anyone about this. About a month later, we went back to the same camp, but this time we slept inside the building where they held the activities during the day. I had made new friends that Friday, and we had a great time. That night, the girls and I were awake. Two of them went to use the bathroom that was just outside the building. They then came running, saying once again that there was a man by the fence. So this is when we decided to put our sleeping bags under the table. This is what scared me the most, and I vaguely remember that when we were under the table, one of the girls saw the man standing outside the window, but I was so terrified that I couldn't even look. So I scooped my sleeping bag to get a better view of the window, and I then saw a shadow of a dark figure. The girls then decided that we had to tell someone. So we got up and we told one of the chaperones that we heard footsteps running, and by the time we told her, the man was long gone. Yeah, this was definitely one of the scariest experiences that I've ever had camping locally. I was celebrating my quinceanera during mid-October of 2022. It wasn't going to be a huge party since I didn't really want one. But since I'm the only girl in my family, my parents felt it was necessary to throw me a party. It was going to be held at a public park in the middle of our town, where many quinceaneras and celebrations were held at. So when you were having a celebration, everybody knew what it was, as well as who you were, and regardless of whether they were invited or not, they would attend just to drink booze and dance. Everything was going well the day of my party. I had a special father-daughter dance and all of my friends came to support me and it's one of my favorite memories to this day. There was also a rodeo happening that same day as well. So not everybody who was invited came up until about 9 to 10 p.m. That's when those who weren't invited came to just drink and watch the party. Well, 11 p.m. rolled around and pretty much all my friends and guests had left except for those who were helping with cleaning up the park. It was cold, so not many people offered to help. Everybody was scattered in the park cleaning up all the trash from the kids who didn't know how to clean up after themselves. But I had stayed back with a family friend on a bench where all the food and presents were, since I couldn't really clean up with my big dress without getting it really dirty. 
The only people who were there were this group of guys who I had never seen before in my life. There had to have been about five of them, all with booze in their hands wearing baseball caps and dressed in all black. They definitely didn't look like they came from the rodeo nor from my party. They ranged in age from early 20s to late 40s. I didn't exactly notice them until I sat down on the bench and began talking to my friend, and I noticed them just standing there staring at me. Now keep in mind, I'm a 15-year-old girl skinny and short with a big dress on, so I could have easily been overpowered by any one of these guys, and I knew that, so I became paranoid very quickly. At first, I didn't think much of it, and I figured they must be looking at the decorations or just my dress, since I did have quite a flamboyant dress on. Then one of the guys, the youngest looking guy out of all of them, started walking up to me then handing me a hundred dollar bill. He said absolutely nothing, didn't even smile, which made everything much more peculiar, since people usually say congratulations or that they love my dress. But all this guy did was widen his eyes at me when he got closer. I just took the money and said thank you so much. I then put it in the box where I put all my money at. One of my family friends had left, and I was pretty much left alone with all these men standing probably about five feet in front of me. They were all huddled up in a group, just intensely staring at me. I quickly became extremely uncomfortable, but I didn't know what to do. They weren't even trying to be discreet about it. They all had their eyes wide open, just looking at me. I don't even know if they were drunk or high or just plain stupid, but whatever it was... They definitely didn't seem like they had good intentions. Whenever I would make eye contact with them, I'd smile since I was just trying to be polite. I was always taught to be friendly to guests. Whenever I would look away, though, they would make noises at me, like whistle at me, or the kind of noises that you'd make to call an animal's attention. They started getting closer and whispering to each other, but then a miracle happened. My older brothers came over to ask me if I wanted to leave with them since they were going back home. I immediately said yes, and I then told them all about the creepy guys that were standing there staring at me. They then told me that I should have said something as soon as I got uncomfortable, and they were right, and I really wondered to myself why I didn't do that. Even to this day, I still cringe to the fact that I didn't get up and walk away or go find someone to talk to. But I was frozen in place, since I didn't know what to do or what to think. When I tried to point them out to my brothers, they were already long gone. Unfortunately, however, the story doesn't necessarily end there. A couple of weeks go by after this all happened, and I ended up getting a Facebook friend request. At this point, I had already forgotten all about the incident, until I looked at the profile picture of the friend request and I recognized the guy in the picture as one of the creeps. I was absolutely terrified, and immediately went to show my brothers. One of them texted the account telling him to stay the hell away from me, and I then reported and blocked the account. I ended up creating a whole new different Facebook account under a different name. I just really can't fathom what could have happened to me if I had been completely alone with those guys for any longer, or if they had found more than just my Facebook account. This all began as the pandemic started in March of 2020. 
I had lived in the largest city in my state, and I had just lost one of my dogs to cancer. This is important to know because she was a fierce and intimidating presence that people would wisely steer away from. My remaining dog was the complete opposite, and can only be described as cute and friendly. We would take four to five walks a day to the park closest to our house. Despite increased foot traffic to the park, it was only occasionally that we would run into a seedy character. I prided myself on staying alert for potential threats and utilized connecting alleys off the main streets to sidestep any weird-looking situations. Typically, this worked very well, and being outside proved the best therapy for working through my grief, telecommuting irritations, and marriage problems as well. Unfortunately, my serene outdoor time used for escape became yet another stressor in life. I started to use the alley cut through regularly as it was less crowded than the main street that connected to our town. These alleys are not named and they serve as access to garages for the homes that back up to them. Many of these garages were to houses that were owned by very wealthy people. That being said, a homeowner had hired someone to take care of odd jobs around their place. Things like woodworking projects, painting, weeding, brick or cement upkeep and repair, or watering plants. Others on the block would also hire the same handyman. However, the man had always worked out of one particular garage. I took note of him because he had played a radio, and I thought his musical selection was quite odd considering his appearance. He was a tall, athletic man, and somewhat of an imposing figure. I don't remember how long it took for him to approach me. He was friendly, and he offered to give my dog a treat, but I declined, explaining that she hadn't had her meal yet. This random kind gesture seemed out of place in our city, but shouldn't be suspect on its own. The next time I saw him, he was working out on the sidewalk in front of the property. He saw us approaching from quite a distance away. I had felt him watching us with a sort of eagerness as we got closer. We exchanged the niceties of, is your dog friendly? What's the name? And he then introduced himself as Lucas and asked for my name. Caught off guard, without thinking, I told him my name. He wished us a pleasant rest of the day and we walked on. All right, I thought. What a weird, nice person. Stop being so cynical and just enjoy a positive interaction, I told myself. My normal routine had us bumping into Lucas with some frequency, sometimes a casual wave as we hurried by, or again, the offer of a treat for my little girl. I continued to decline any treats, as it seemed like luring us to step into the garage. I don't know why I thought that. I am by nature a suspicious person, and living in the city for almost 10 years had not done anything to improve that. Also, my love of crime and serial killer shows added to the heightened state of awareness. I should want more opportunities to speak with people since the pandemic was so isolating, but I didn't want to engage this guy. My inner voice, spidey senses, and bells and whistles were going berserk. Time passed, and no odd interactions had happened. I had encountered Lucas out in front of the house again at one point, in the same routine. Is your dog friendly? What's its name? My name's Lucas. What's your name? 
Odd. My dog's name was curly on her collar and in rather large letters at that. This time, however, I thought on my feet and I gave him a fake name. This was kind of my way of testing if he really was forgetful or if he was just playing me to get me to talk again. Perhaps he really did forget my name and was embarrassed. He didn't acknowledge recognition to my fake name in any obvious way. We said goodbye and moved on with our day. Perhaps the man suffered with short-term memory issues or talked to so many random people that he just couldn't recall us. Still, something about this guy wasn't right. I was very uneasy about having further encounters with him. I decided to take an alternative route whenever I could see or hear him or if I was going past that house at his known work times of day. Some time had passed, and my strategy had worked. I was once again enjoying uninterrupted joys of my walks without any human interactions. I sort of forgot all of my concerns about Lucas. This was a mistake, and very careless on my part. Soon, no matter which route I took, there was Lucas. I started walking up an extra block and cutting back down to enter the park on one of its more high-trafficked entrances. I would leave at the entrance that was one block further away from Lucas's known hangout. I started to change the times of my walks as much as I could with a demanding work schedule. Problems somewhat averted, at least for a while. Soon enough, he must have caught on though. I found him switching from the front of the house when we would start our walks to being at the back of the house in the garage at the finish of our same walk. This was really starting to alarm me. There was no way that I was this falsely paranoid. If we ever saw him, we started across to the other side of the street or change our direction entirely. He would even wave and shout to us in these scenarios. What is this guy's problem? I obviously don't want to talk to you, dude. But I also couldn't stop walking my dog. I mean, she had to do her business. I made sure to carry my pepper spray every time we left the house. Taking my cell phone wasn't an option, since muggings were a part of daily life. I even stopped listening to music through my earbuds, as I didn't want to be distracted. Luckily, my spouse started to come with us on walks, and this made me feel lighter and less of a target for potential Lucas issues. With the hot weather, my little dog was really struggling with her breathing, so car rides for a park time became a regular thing. I was still aware of them though, especially for my solo runs to the park. There was just something that just wasn't sitting well with me. I was prey. That was the look in his eyes whenever we passed by, even with my spouse. He began following us at a distance whenever we were alone, and I picked up on this. I would walk out of my way and not in the front entrance of my house. I didn't want him knowing where I lived. I started only using the bag-gated entrance of the house for our walks. There would be no way for him to track which house was ours if I constantly kept that up. Since the behavior was escalating and I started to feel less crazy about this whole Lucas situation, I had an idea confirmed my suspicions were warranted. I looked up the registered sex offenders list for my area. It didn't take much searching into a few nearby zip codes because Lucas was always on foot. There he was. It was not my imagination. 
My jaw dropped even though I wasn't entirely surprised. This man was thinking terrible thoughts about me whenever I was passing by. My gut was on point. I was convinced he was just waiting for the perfect opportunity to harm me. In every way possible, I had stepped up my efforts to be even safer. I went to further park entrances and exits to avoid the street and alley that Lucas worked from. I walked several extra blocks in the neighborhood to reduce the chance of meeting with Lucas. This approach was very successful for a time. Turns out I was unknowingly walking further into the neighborhood that Lucas was coming from. He took the opportunity once again to follow me. I did an even bigger random loop to circle back to the rear entrance of my house. At this point, I had become so speedy with getting in my back gate that I could have won an award if I timed it. Each time I went out, I was really dreading seeing him. I felt my time was running out until he made his ideas become a reality. My plan was to move out of the city even before the problems with Lucas started. It took much longer than I anticipated to prepare my house to sell as well as finalize my divorce. I finally completed these transactions and moved out to the state in October of 2021. It may not seem that scary, but living in fear for such a long time and every single day really takes its toll. I have a friend that still lives in this city, and I shared this story with her as well. She actually admitted that she had the same exact thing happen to her for a period of two years. She endured unwanted contact, until her Lucas finally moved away, which happened recently. Don't ignore those negative energies that you pick up on. Be careful out there. I'm an 18-year-old male, but at the time of this story, I was 12. For reference, I live in a small country in Europe, so these sort of things aren't really common for us. I was with the two of my friends at the park around 9 or 10 p.m., and it was October. We were just goofing around and talking on a park bench, while some older kids were playing soccer on the other side of the park. So we were just sitting there and talking, when I randomly turned around and saw three or four guys on a bench about 10 meters behind us. Now, this wasn't anything strange in and of itself, but what was strange is that all of them were looking at us when I looked at them. So I then just turned back around and resumed our conversation, waiting for a friend to finish what he was saying so that I could say how weird that I thought it was. When I did, both of them turned around and looked at the guys that were still watching us and talking among themselves and laughing. Now, my two friends and I were all guys, but these guys were at least three years older than us. So if it came down to it, we knew that fighting wasn't an option. So a few minutes pass, and we keep an eye on them, when we then see they're getting up. In a panic, we all get up and we start walking to a building one of my friends lived in, which happened to have an inner phone. We did this so that we could get in the building and close the door that automatically locks behind us. When we started walking fast to the building, we had suddenly heard, Hey! But none of us turned around. We just kept on walking even faster than before. And then we heard another one. Hey! This time even louder and closer. This time we all turn around, and we then see those guys running towards us. We all start sprinting to the building while these guys are chasing us. We finally make it to the building, 
where my friend fumbles to unlock the door with the key. Once he gets it unlocked, we all get inside before the guys catch up to us, and we then close the door when they came rushing and knocking on the glass panel of the door, then demanding for us to let them in or they're going to kill us. Thank God that the inside of the building was so dark, so they couldn't see us hiding behind some bicycles that were in the hallway. We had heard them say something along the lines of, How are those fuckers so fast? As well as, I'm gonna kill those little shits. Now, the outside of the building was lit up, so we could see who the guys were that were chasing us. And as it turns out, those were the guys that already did a lot of delinquent shit around town, so they were annoying to a lot of people. One of those people was actually one of my friend's brother. Now, that friend wasn't with us that night, but we hung around in school, so we told him about it. And this guy, as well as his brother, were both into karate, and they were really good at fighting. So, when he heard who those guys were, he had called his brother that was about 18 at the time. The next day after school ended, the friend from school with the older brother invited us to the park to show us something. Once we got there... We saw all of the guys that were chasing us, as well as three other guys lying on the ground all beaten up. My friend's brother and his friends beat the shit out of those guys. So yeah, I guess you could say it was a happy ending for us. Hey everyone, I hope you all enjoyed these stories. If you ever want to submit your own, you can do so at southerncannibal.com. Have a good night everyone, and remember... To always.